have your Bibles, uh, we're going to go to the book of Exodus tonight. I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture. And I believe that the Lord is going to do some great things over these next few days. Um, I'm not the prettiest polished preacher in the world. But more than anything, I want to find the perfect will of God. And if you'll do that, and I'll do that, somewhere this weekend, I believe in every young person or adult, young adult, or elder for that matter, if we can do that together, I believe there will be a collision course somewhere along the way where God will minister to anybody and everybody that is pursuing Him and His will. Amen. Exodus 3, Bible says, verse 1, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came into the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I want you to notice this. He said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereupon thou standest is holy ground moreover he said I am the God thy father the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God and the Lord said I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of uh, out of that land unto a good land and large unto they have flows with milk and honey and the place the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites now therefore behold The cry of the children of Israel has come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Moses, aware of all of this, as we'll talk about in a few seconds, and the Lord says, Come now, therefore, I'll send you unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I'm not, I don't have even a title for you tonight. I just feel very directed in the Holy Ghost to talk to you for a few moments, somewhat over the life of Moses. And I believe that the Lord wants to intervene in somebody's life tonight and set them in a brand new direction. For the generation under me, I believe that it's time. For my generation, I believe that it's time. And for the generation ahead of me, I believe that it's time that our pursuit of God and His purpose in the earth is the first and foremost thing on our everyday agenda. It's time. With that, I want to pray one more time and ask the Lord that His anointing would rest in this house 
and that he would do whatever he pleases in this sanctuary. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for what you have already begun to do in this place. Right now, I take dominion and authority over any spirit, human or demonic, that would stand contrary to what you want to do in this house. I cancel every assignment from hell that would cause distraction or interruption in this sanctuary tonight, God. Somebody, Lord, needs to hear your voice very clearly tonight. Somebody, God, needs to recognize what you want to do in them and through them. And I pray right now, Lord, that there would just be an anointing that would begin to flow, continue to flow as it already has in this building, and that everything that you have purposed for this night and this weekend, that it will come to pass. I speak it, and I release it by the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, and we give you praise for it, God. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise tonight. Amen. One more time, if you'll give God a hand clap of praise. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. And you can be seated tonight. I am very close to a very close friend of yours. Um, Brother Shelton, and he has poured so much into my life, and he is um, sitting in his house right now uh, with his arm elevated after surgery that I took him to the other day, and he's feeling the need to text me (laughs) while I stand in the pulpit. So I just said that so he knows that I'm telling all of you, and I know how close you are to him. So it will be a good thing for you to harass him about when he comes back. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to talk about a man named Moses, who we pick up his story here in Exodus chapter 3. And uh, it, it is the story of his call, his first real encounter with God. And you can begin reading his story in, in the first chapter of uh, the book of Exodus as uh, we all, it's a very familiar story, but Moses is a boy whose life was spared. Quite possibly one of, if not the only uh, boy of his generation in his nation whose life was spared because the Egyptians were scared that the number of Israelites were growing too big and too vast, and they feared a future generation that would be more powerful than they would. So they let out a decree upon all of Goshen, where the Israelites were, and it was to kill the firstborn son or to kill their sons. We need to cut off this generation. And quite honestly, the enemy still uses that very same tactic every single day. Even in 2020, it is um, a, a top priority for the enemy to tear away the next generation. And I, it's why we have special weekends like this. It's why we have youth congresses and holiday youth conventions and summer camps. It's why we do things like that because we are as a church, as parents, as pastors, as a, as a uh, body in the district or an organization, we are working all the time to preserve the future. By pouring, we pour more finances in our, to our youth than we do most departments of the church solely for the purpose that the future is so important. 
We know what scripture says about the latter rain being greater than the former. We know that if there is going to be the end time revival, that that revival is going to fall on one generation. And if it's not this generation, it's the next generation. So we have to continually invest in them. And I'm thankful that you have a church here that invests in to their youth. But uh, Israel was no different. They trained their their young ones. They told them the promises of Abraham that, that God gave Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. It, they were well-versed in the things that God had already spoke to their forefathers and their ancestors. They knew that they had purpose. Most of them, if not all of them, by age four or five, knew that they were living in a land for an amount of time. They didn't know the number of years, but they knew that there would be a day that they would be delivered and they were looking for that day. Israel, they were very good about pouring into and instructing the next generation. You just carry it on to the New Testament into guys that like became the disciples or the Pharisees. By age 12, they could quote the law, the first five books of the Bible, of the Old Testament. They knew it by heart. They could quote it. They could rehearse it because they poured, their parents poured the Word of God into them. The future was always so important. The enemy also recognized that in Egypt. They had been living with them and watching them, and they realized that the, the younger generation were not becoming more like the Egyptians. They weren't, they were living with the Egyptians, but they realized that it wasn't their home, and they weren't having the influence on them that they thought they might when they accepted them into their land years ago through the man Joseph. So they decided we've got to do something about it. We got to issue an attack, and they began to try to kill the, the, the boys that were born there. It ha- like I said earlier, it happens in our, our country, and our world all the time. Things are, 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 are put out into our schools and our universities now to indoctrinate our young people and try to rob them and steal their future calling, the anointing that they might have. If we could get them to believe the narrative of the world, if we could get them to buy into something different than what their pastor stands in a pulpit and preach or something alternate, alternative that their parents have sat down and taught them as they were young people, if we can somehow get them convinced that none of that is real and that the way of the world is better, we'll cut off a generation. No, it may not be just killing them, but they also do that as in this country we have slayed millions and millions of unborn babies and it's legal and it continues to happen year after year after year and it doesn't look like there's any end in sight. There is a decree in this hour to tear away this generation that is sitting in front of me tonight. And if hell has that agenda, if hell has launched that attack, it is not by accident, but there is a purpose and there is a reason for it. Hear me, young person tonight, the reason hell wants to kill you, the reason hell wants to confuse you, the reason the devil, his whole purpose purpose is to distract you and get you to believe something other than what these men would stand here and tell you is because he is scared to death that you just might buy into what he, what the Lord is trying to do through you in this earth. So we don't have a lot of 
Bible to tell us a lot about Moses' youth. We just know the, the bullet points of his upbringing, that he was put in a basket and that somehow his life was spared, the hand of God being on him. We don't know how many other boys in his generation survived. The Bible would lead us to believe that maybe he was the only one. But it was it, that basket as the water began to flow. Don't forget who spoke that river into existence, who created the current that was there, who... Don't forget who made all that stuff work as that basket would float up on the banks where a certain lady was standing who happened to be Pharaoh's daughter and one life was spared. But God knowing that his, his, while he was a, a, a child, while he was just an adolescent, that there would have to be things imparted into him and taught to him. He also orchestrated the way to bring him back in contact with his mother. I don't know how long Jacobed got to be with Moses, how long she got to minister or teach Moses, but I think in just the, the cliff notes that we have here in this story, we can realize by his life's choices, he was already convinced that I am living in an Egypt world, but I am not an Egyptian. It doesn't give us a lot of details about it, but it's obvious that in, in Moses' heart and in his mind, he realized that I am different. I am not an Egyptian. God's placed me here for a purpose and a reason, but I, it's not what I am. I am of this world, but I do, this is not my home. I have to live here, but I'm not of this world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. I have to reside here for a season, but this, I'm here for a purpose. Moses, he, he, everybody knows the story. He makes what some would believe is a mistake. And, and, and what I honestly believe when Moses does this is he sees an Egyptian man beating on a, uh, one of his own. He, he realizes and, or he gets angry about it and, and he lashes out and he ends up killing an Egyptian and running, fleeing from Pharaoh into a place where we don't know where he was going or, 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 or exactly where he would end up until you flip the pages and you get to chapter three. And there is a lot of days, a lot of months, even years that are missing from the pages of scripture. And, and we find Moses in chapter three and some, and, and he's married now and he's got a father-in-law by the name of Jethro and he's got a job. He's got an occupation. His focus is different than what it was. In the beginning, I'm convinced in the beginning that, that Moses realized and knew that he had a purpose ultimately for Israel. He had a purpose for the Jews. He had a purpose for the people that were ultimately his people and the ones that he knew that he was like. He knew that, but one mistake had convinced him that that purpose was over and he had fled. He had left it. One issue, one problem, and it was not even a, uh, sure it was a sin, but it was not even an issue that he done completely in, in the wrong. He did it, he did it because he, he was angry and he did it because he knew he, he was confused. He was living in one world, but he was not of that world and he made a mistake, but it convinced him and, and, and the people around him, his, his brothers even in Israel would, they convinced him that he was wrong and that he would never amount to anything. And if he was even going to survive or if he was even going to, to to somehow live to see tomorrow he would have to leave and just lay down his purpose and and it would never come back to him and Moses lives in condemnation in my in my personal opinion I, 
you judge it for what you want to, but you find him living in a desert. You find him living, and now he's turned into a shepherd of sheep that aren't his, and he's working a job. We're talking about a man that was living in Pharaoh's house. A man that had position to do exactly what he ultimately did. But one mistake convinced him that he no longer had the authority or he no longer had permission or he no longer had the qualifications to stay where God had put him. So did God just put him, allow him to survive in the basket in vain? I don't believe that he did. I'm not saying that ultimately this wasn't God's plan, but I stand here at 31 years old to tell you that sometimes you can mess God's plan up. Sometimes you can make some decisions that haunt you for a long time and they will actually throw a monkey wrench, if I could say that like we do in the South. They'll throw a monkey wrench in God's plans and it doesn't change the fact that God says, that's all right, we'll make a left turn up here and I can correct some things. God still has the authority and the ability to do that. But what the enemy would convince you and even what some of your friends in the church sometimes might convince you and heaven forbid that somebody like your parents tell you or say something to you that would convince you that you have messed up your opportunity to live for God or you have messed up your opportunity to fulfill the purpose that God has put on you. Let me tell you tonight, on the very first night of this revival, I don't care what your past is and I do not care what you were doing last night, yesterday or last year. It doesn't matter to me and more importantly it doesn't matter to God. He is great at fixing wrong turns. He is great at fixing mistakes. Come on, the Bible says David was a man after his own heart. Are you kidding me? David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. David was not a perfect man. He was a man after God's own heart because ultimately he realized, if I fall, I've got to get back up. God, I need you to forgive me. I need you to correct me. I, more than anything, want to live in your presence and fulfill your purpose. You haven't messed up too much. There is nothing that you can do that God will turn his back on you. Your purpose won't even change. The gifting and the calling of God is without repentance. Irrevocable is what that word means. It's not going away. You messed up. Wish you wouldn't. God says if you can resubmit yourself, recommit yourself, if you could just correct a little area here, there's an exit ramp off there. It's a detour, but it's okay. Just stay with me. I've still got an anointing for you. I still have a purpose for you. I still have somebody that needs you. Nothing more than the enemy would want to do than convince a young person that it's over at a young age. Let them walk away 
be convinced once and for all that that one mistake, that one bad mistake, even if it leaves baggage sometimes. There was a dead Egyptian laying in Egypt. This this has always amazed me. There was a dead Egyptian laying in Egypt that somebody, it was somebody's family. And they had a reward on Moses' head. There was a bounty on him. Is or Pharaoh betrayed, hated him at this point. Yet somehow, let me just skip a little bit down the story. Moses is able to walk right in Pharaoh's house, have an audience with him time and time again, and walk out of there alive. Even baggage won't keep you from the purpose of God. Can I, can I just say something in the Holy Ghost? Teenage pregnancy. Wish it wouldn't have happened. But it's not going to keep you from God's purpose on your life. Is it okay? No. Does it make things easier? Absolutely not. But if it's happened, repent, put it under the blood, and realize that God has a purpose for my life. My God, is this okay, Pastor? I feel like preaching here tonight. Let me, let, let me just go ahead and say another one. Abortion! Abortion is not a death sentence though being used by God. There's gotta be an apostolic advocate somewhere that'll reach the millions of babies that are being slaughtered, talking and preaching to ladies that have no hope, that have no answer. God, God is a God of alternate routes. God is a God of recalculating routes and making roads go a different way. Your life is not over, baby. Your ministry is not over. The calling of God on your life is without repentance. Quit making excuses. God is for you. God said my grace is sufficient for you. Come on, somebody. Somebody just received deliverance right now from a spirit of condemnation. It's haunted you for long enough. I take dominion and authority right now over a spirit of condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God, they bear your name. God, they went down in the water in your name. God, they're called by your name. I rebuke the condemnation from the enemy that would convince them that you're through with them. Come on, young person, that's that same spirit. They say, we got to cut the head off of that generation. We've got to go in and kill the firstborn. The enemy, it's, it's not a knife to the throat. It's not a gun to your face. He'll do it any way that he can. Sometimes it's the condemnation that says it's over. 
God, I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight. Felonies aren't the end. Felonies aren't the end. I don't care what kind of drugs you've used in the past. It's not the end. I don't care if you thought one day God had a call on you, but then you had a big, big mistake. I'm telling you right now. I said this before, I think, around some of you. I don't care if you woke up this morning in a bed with the woman that's not your wife. Do, do you need repentance? Yes. But guess what? There's a purpose on your life. Uh, there's a calling on your life. God's trying to convince somebody here tonight. You've been listening to the narrative of the world long enough. You've been listening to this humanistic stuff long enough. It's not all about you. You didn't make you. You can't run you. My God. Hmm. Huh. Moses. Moses. Defeated. Moses. Messed up. Moses, I believe, knew. He knew from his mama telling him, Moses, you're the only one of your age. Moses, I don't know why God has spared you, but let me tell you about a promise that he gave Abraham. Let me tell you about a promise that he gave Isaac. Let me tell you about a promise that passed down to Jacob, who we know is Israel. Let me tell you about a man named Joseph Moses for the reason that we're here. And he told us, as a matter of fact, the coffin that you see out there in Goshen that's got his bones in it. It's for us to remember there's coming a day we're leaving here. And Moses, I don't know why that God spared you, but I got a feeling that we've been here long enough so every time you walk past those bones, Moses, I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that the hand of God is on you. I want you to remember there's an anointing on your life. Hmm. And Moses knew this as a boy. For some reason, he's on the backside of a desert and a land separate from his people, married to somebody that is not an Israelite and somehow decided to be a shepherd. And as a shepherd, I wouldn't recommend it. Pastor, <laughs> just kidding. But Moses is there doing something that he knows. I'm not in the place to fulfill the purpose. I'm not in the right state of mind. I'm not in the right location. I'm not doing the right things. I'm not even putting the right stuff in my life to prepare me to be in that place that, that, that pastor preached to me about, that my mom told me about, that people have poured into me telling me about. I'm not in that place. And then something amazing happens in Scripture. We talk about it as the burning bush and God speaking to Moses out of the Burning bush. The Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, 
The bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses, he says, I will turn aside. I will now turn aside. I will see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. He said, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight. For the longest time in my life, you're walking around with some sheep, Moses, and you see a fire. Last night in Fort Smith, after church, we, we had our, our service on Wednesday nights, and my assistant's pastor's house is right beside a, a gas well. And uh, news began to flood pretty quickly to our phones. And after church, about the time he got home, this, this gas line had exploded, and it was causing a huge fire in Fort Smith. And... Everybody that lived in the area was gathering around to see. Wow. It, all it was was a fire. And eventually the fire department got it contained and put out. But it was just amazing that, wow, there's a great fire here in Fort Smith. We have a chat with a bunch of my friends. It's a video chat thing. And, and, and it, I don't know how many. 21 or two messages in a row within a few minutes, people talking about and all the conversation was the fire in Fort Smith. What a bunch of losers. You guys don't get that kind of action here, I know. But if you do some research on fire, it says he's on the backside of a desert. You look at that word, it it means pasture, desert, or wilderness. To me, those are three vastly different things. But lightning is the most common igniter of a fire in the United States. Last year, lightning set off nearly 8,000 wildfires, which burned 5.2 million acres in the United States. That's just lightning. There's a lot more causes of fire, some of them being even humanistic. As millions and millions of acres burned, but they didn't have gas wells and gas lines back in Moses' day. At least I don't think they did. They had lightning. Ever since the days of Noah, they had some lightning. And I don't know how many, how common it was for fires to break out, but I know one thing. It's not uncommon. If 5.2 million acres last year burned in this country by lightning, it's not that uncommon. And the fire was not the thing that got Moses' attention because that would have just been another fire. And if he had been living there for a while, it's quite possible that he has seen many fires. But, but the Bible says, Moses said, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. And I want you, young people, or everybody else in this house for this matter, to recognize that what got Moses' attention was his perception to recognize that this was not an ordinary moment. There was something different and specific about this moment. The season was different. It felt different. It looked different. 
It wasn't the same as all the other fires or catastrophes. And I would just interject to your, this young generation here or anybody that's been alive 80 years or plus. Welcome to 2020. Because this is not an ordinary season. This is not just another firestorm like we've seen in 2016 and 2012 and 2008. And I know they're election years, but it seems like that's the firestorm years. Coincidence, I know. But this one's lasted longer already. And it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. There is a, it's a different kind of season, a different kind of, of event. Something has shifted, not just on the earth, but in the heavenly. Something in the spirit world has changed completely. And it's why I feel such an urgency for this weekend and for this group of people. Because just what I preached, I know hell is doing its best to convince you to give up, to go away and do something other than what's been preached to you for the last 10 years of your life. But I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost tonight that this season is different. This generation is different. It felt like there was an urgency when I was 15 years old sitting on an apostolic pew. But I'm telling you, at age 31, my memory is pretty good. I can remember the intensity there. And it's nothing like what I feel right now. It's different. And what I would challenge somebody tonight in this sanctuary is to recognize as you are walking in this season is do not miss the bush that is burning like every other bush. But recognize the intensity and recognize that there is something supernatural in the middle of that fire. Recognize that God is trying His best to get a hold and speak to somebody about what His plan is, about what His purpose is. And about what their future is in his kingdom. That's what got Moses' attention. There's something different about this than the one that I saw last week. Than the one that I saw last year. Than the fires that I've walked by since I've been in this wilderness. I know I haven't been in a great place. I know that I haven't been doing what what pastor's been preaching. I know I haven't been living according to the call that is on my life. But now I recognize I better turn aside. You want to know what that word turn aside means? It means the same thing as holiness. It means to withdraw from and unto. And here's Moses walking by and has the perception enough. Maybe it was a preacher in his head. Maybe God used one of the sheep to begin to preach. I don't know. But something got his attention enough that he recognized this isn't like the other ones. 
I know I've got duties here. I know I've got my life planned out here. I know that if I can keep these sheep, I can sell these sheep, and I can make this much money, and I can make a living. I can raise my kids. I can go to college. I can do this. Hear me in the Holy Ghost tonight. I can have things planned out. I can put all my focus, all of my time, all of my energy into this, and I can build something great for myself. My father-in-law, he's got an inheritance. He's not going to live forever. He may even give this to me someday. But in that moment, Moses said, there's something different about that. And it doesn't even say that he wrestled, but he recognized, if I don't leave this, I will die without fulfilling the purpose that's on my life. If I don't let this die, if I don't just turn this loot, if I don't withdraw from these things that are keeping me from something like that, I'll do this forever and be convinced that I'll be all right. You know what they say about your generation, millennials? They say that you're different because you want so badly to be a part of something great. That you want so badly to have purpose. That's the definition of the millennials when they begin to pin how they're different. You know, there's Generation X. There's the, the baby boomers. The baby boomers were workers. They were the nine-to-fivers. They're the one that calls us all weenies. They still do it. There's my generation who we were, we, we were, we were the dot-com. We had the Internet. We were, that's who we were. Technology was coming in. And then, there, then there's your generation that has all the tools and the access to everything. But more than anything, purpose. I want to be a part of something. I want to be something in the world. You think that's an accident? Who created you? It's not an accident. And there is, there, there's one quarter left in 2020 and I'm telling you, God has ushered in this year and it's been weird and it's been different and you've had to learn to go to school online. You've had to learn to work from home. You've had to learn to go to church at home. We've had to learn to do all these different things that probably will be beneficial to us down the road. But there's one thing that you don't need to miss about this season and that is that it's different than every other season in the Spirit because God is winding this thing down. It's time we recognize the times. We realize what's going on. Come on, this, what was that? This week? This week? This week, two Arab nations signed a document that had the name Abraham in it. Hello? The descendants of Ishmael put pen on paper to a document who was named after the one that's not their father. And for centuries, everybody said, there's no way possible that will ever happen except one. It's in this book. I can remember being a young person and sitting in that Poto, Oklahoma church with my grandpa and my dad going through the end time uh, end time conference teaching and they would always talk about the peace treaty and it just stuck with me. Just, I mean, just stuck with me. And I've, I've always been looking for When I was in high school, there were rumors of this and rumors of that, but nothing was ever close. But in 2020, 
in midst of the least peaceful year of my life. Somebody better look at that bush again. Somebody better not walk past this moment. Somebody better not walk past this season just believing it's another season. But you better recognize that there is a purpose. There is, there is an, oh, there is an appointment for somebody in the Holy Ghost on this night. This night, right here, September the 17th, 2020. There is an appointment for somebody that will look back and say, that's the night that God showed me the bush. That's the night that I realized that God was speaking out of that bush. That there was a voice that would come out of that bush and tell me what my purpose was in the kingdom. Turned aside. He, he, he withdraw. He took it, pushed, pushed all those things that he thought mattered away. I got a whole weekend with you. We'll talk about it, young people. The things that don't matter that you think really does. Most of you are pretty intelligent, though. Huh. I, don't, I don't care how great of a basketball player you are. Your purpose is more important than a state championship ring. And if you figure out how to do both and Pastor Wright says, go get them, you go get them. But I'm telling you, if God begins to speak to you and quicken you and tell you that you can go be and try to play in the NFL, but you're going to miss out on being the one that ushers in the revival in your family. And I've called you to do it, Moses. It's you. And I placed a bush in your sight on a Thursday night in September in 2020. And you walked by and acted like you could do it all by yourself. He'll remind you of that day. I'm telling you tonight. You need to withdraw from. You need to turn aside. And turn unto. The purpose that God has for your life. Because I'm telling you. In the Holy Ghost. A state championship ring. And a letterman's jacket. Is going to burn in hell. Like everything else on this. But an apostolic child of God will not only dance on streets of gold, they'll have the power and the authority to take somebody with them. And for that matter, let me go ahead and preach to some parents. Quit pushing them into doing everything in the world and just letting them fend for themselves when it comes to the purpose of God. Because their souls won't be on their hands. They're going to be on yours, Jacobin. Because let me preach to Jacobin in this house. Had Jacobin not told Moses how important the purpose of God was. She would have had to answer at judgment for why Moses wasn't the one that led them out. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I know it's youth weekend, parents. I know you thought you were going to slide by, but they're still adolescents. Most of them still minors, and they need someone in the home that knows what the Word says. They need somebody that can put this book in them. They need somebody that will make them read their Bible like and make them do their homework. They need somebody that will pray with them and spend time with them in prayer like they will in the yard, play and catch, or in the batting cages. Will somebody hear what the Holy Ghost is saying tonight? This 
season is different. It's different. There's a different season. It's a different time. I don't know why it's your generation, but it is. And I'm begging you, I'm pleading you for the future of the apostolic movement. Don't miss it. Please, don't miss it. I met you today, Brother Mike. I'm to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for laying all that you had to lay down for a season of training. I don't know what your future holds. But I'm telling you right now, God's connected you to these men for a reason and a purpose. And if you stay here, if you just stay here until they release you, you'll be so thankful and so glad that you won't end up like all the other Serbians that have died for generations and generations not knowing the truth. But instead, you'll be behind a pulpit somewhere declaring an apostolic truth to a nation that needs revival. To that, I would say, don't miss this season. Don't miss this season. I love the multicultural feel in this church, Pastor Ryan. I love it. I love multiple languages that come across. They, 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 you guys translate everything into every language. I appreciate that so much. All the stuff that you put out online, all the online, all the stuff Bishop Wright teaches and puts out online. Thank you for having the vision. Thank you for having a multicultural vision. Don't think, don't think for a second that in 2020, in this season, that the enemy is not aware of the advancements that your church has made in a multicultural revival. Don't be so carnal that you'll turn on the lose and believe everything that comes from the narrative of the world. Don't be, don't be so led by your flesh that you'll believe everything that's preached across the desk of CNN and Fox News or whatever it is and you'll fail to hear the word of God. I'm not even a member of this church, but I can even hear them in my spirit right now. There has been a multicultural revival prophesied in this city and in this region for a long, long time. In this church and in Brother Staten's church. And the devil's doing everything he can to interrupt it. What would happen? What would happen if somebody got a hold of this truth and said, I don't care if the world tells me there's a racial problem. I don't care if the world tells me it can't be done. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Come on, somebody, turn aside from the narrative of the world. Turn aside from that junk you've been allowing in your spirit. There is a real world. It's called the spirit world. And God is trying to give you the greatest revival you've ever seen.
Hay personas en esta iglesia que hablan español. Gloria a Dios. Hay un avivamiento viene aquí. Aquí en esta iglesia. There's a, there is a Hispanic revival coming to this church. This church. This church. In this season. And I don't care what the narrative of the world does to try to divide you. I'm telling you. There's evidence right there that God wants to do it. Will anybody believe it enough to take this word to that culture? Come on, it can happen. It can happen. It will happen. I'll just give you a testimony. 13 years ago in Fort Smith, Arkansas, we had one Spanish-speaking couple in our church. One. Pastor Solomon, much like your pastor and your bishop, stood, continued in a pulpit, and began to prophesy and say there is a multicultural revival coming to this city and to this region. 13 years later, Wait, hold on. Stop. Holy Ghost, just quick at something else. <laughs> Nine years later, there was 30. And then 2016 hit. Oh, some of you have already forgot. There was a major, major arguing point in 2016. Immigration. And the narrative of the world said, if one guy gets elected, everybody's getting deported. I stood. My, my wife and I took over as pastor in the middle of 2016. Glory, adios. Has anybody ever seen the movie? Toy Story, I got a little kid. In the first one, all the toys are, they're, uh, they, 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 they come to life, you know. And then when the little boy runs up the stairs, they say, Andy's coming, and all the toys play dead. Now this is really going to make you laugh. Four years ago, during this election, all the Hispanic kids in our church played a game. They all just went about their business. And they would say, Trump's coming. And when they did, they all just ran in circles and went crazy and went hide, hide somewhere. I'm not lying to you. I'm talking little kids. That had been indoctrinated with the narrative of the world. We had about 35 people, Pastor Wright. Our average Sunday attendance for 2020 is about 135. And it ain't all about numbers. We also have two ministers in our church right now that were not there four years ago. Also, in the... In, in the years of deportation, 
we have more, almost twice as many, legal immigrants in our church than we did in 2016. Now, how in the world did that happen? I'll tell you how. Because the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. I'll tell you how it happened. That when somebody has enough faith and begins to prophesy things in the spirit as the Holy Ghost begins to move on them, like I have tonight about that culture in this church, I'm telling you, just start speaking it. Don't believe the narrative of the world. Don't believe... tonight. I feel like being bold tonight. We moved into a new sanctuary and we started prophesying. There's God. We didn't know who it was. There's got to be another culture. We got to have another culture in our church. We got an open sanctuary now on Sundays. We need to start a new work and a new culture. And it wasn't very many weeks that we started doing that. We baptized a Filipino family in the name of Jesus. Here's what's crazy. While, while my wife and I were on AIM in Barcelona, we happened to pastor a Filipino church. My assistant pastor, while in Madrid, pastored a Filipino church. We didn't even know we had so many Filipinos. But they scheduled me, the one Filipino family that we baptized, to come speak at a Christmas dinner. And there's a bunch. This year, I've been talking to them. I'm going to go. Go to that Christmas dinner. I'm going to speak. I don't know how. I, I, I got experience with them. Here's what they love. They love people that's been to the Philippines. When I was 18 years old, Pastor Solomon come to me. I was 18. He come to me. I've been, I've been to that church for just a few months. He said, hey, I want you to go to the Philippines with me. I was like, what? Uh, I don't even know if I'm ready for ministry or even care enough to go. But at thy word, Pastor. And we went to the Philippines. You don't think God knows what he's doing? Why are you saying all this? I'm telling you, I don't know who that family is. You're not here by accident. You're evidence of what's coming. It's not an accident. There had to be a Cornelius before there was a Macedonia. You hear what I'm saying? There had to be somebody. That's evidence. So in this 2020, on tonight, you could stand with me. I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost here. As we move into time of prayer here in just a few moments as the Holy Ghost begins to lead. Some of you are going to begin to see some things, maybe even visions. The Lord's going to begin to drop some things in your spirit. Some of you may literally feel like you're on fire. What that is, is that same bush Moses walked by. And you may have felt it already this year at some point and kind of ignored it or brushed it off. Like it was just, well, you know, when I was 10 years old, I felt something like that. When I was 12 years old, I felt something like that. At camp a couple of years ago, I felt something like that. It'll come back around. I'm telling you, 
when the seasons shift and it's the right moment and the right time. It's because God's trying to do something specific. His whole, the whole nation of Israel was waiting there in bondage, hoping. Without even knowing, they were hoping that Moses would have enough perception, would have enough memory of the anointing that his mom imparted to him that he would recognize when God showed up to try to speak to him because the Bible says Moses turned aside to see this great sight and when God saw that Moses turned aside. When God saw that Moses was done with the flock of Jethro and he was ready to pursue the purpose that had always been there. He then said, Moses, you need to take your shoes off right here because you're about to walk into something that you've never walked into before. I'm about to tell you some things and put an anointing on you and give you a burden for people that you thought you had a burden for before, but you don't realize how important you are to the kingdom. And I've come with the word from the Lord tonight to some young people in this room. You don't know how important you are to the kingdom, but there could be a nation somewhere that we may not even have an apostolic preacher and God has allowed you to be raised in an apostolic family. God has allowed some things to be put into you. God has placed you in Annapolis or Arlen, Maryland to sit in these chairs and hear apostolic man after apostolic man impart things of the Spirit to you because there would be a moment where a burning bush would show up and you would finally say this could be it. I am going to leave that life. I'm going to leave that pursuit behind because more than anything I want to fulfill the purpose God has on my life and I'm telling you tonight that when you do that God's going to begin to wake you up in the night he's going to give you dreams of nations to begin to pray over he's going to begin to show you neighborhoods and nationalities in this city that you can go and begin to drive and pray over and release angels and release revival over in 2020 in in a strange time Jesus God I've obeyed your word here tonight I've obeyed I've obeyed the commission that you've given me here tonight and now you angels that are in this sanctuary that have been waiting on this right now I release you I release you right now to go into these young people. Young people, I wish you'd just begin to lift your hands right where you are. You know the things that are in your life. I want you to lay them down. The Bible says lay aside every weight, every sin. Lay it all aside. Turn aside tonight. And I, I release the fire of the Holy Ghost. I release a burning bush of experience right now on every individual in this room. I release visions. I release dreams in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, God. We release your spirit to do what it's always purposed to do in this generation, in this year, and in this season. Don't let us miss it. Come 
Come on, push, push. You don't need somebody to lay hands on you. God has sent you a burning bush tonight. Turn aside. There's something different about it. There's something different about this anointing. Thank you.